You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for movie number eight in our nine best picture nominated movies, rewatch, reviews, recaps, whatever you want to call them here, all leading up to the 92nd Academy Awards. We're only a few days away from it, and... Uh, we are moving on to probably the one true groundbreaking nomination here as it's the first ever nominated Best Picture, Best Director Korean film. Uh, well, people are still arguing over Greta Gerwig not getting nominated. They're ignoring the fact that uh, this movie is breaking ground here. And uh, we keep saying this, I, I swear, at least two or three times during all these movies. But this is one of the true unique movies <laughs> that we're going to be reviewing this year. We're talking about Parasite. Uh, and we are joined by a special guest who's going to be able to translate half of this for us. My name is Colin, and um, I'm doing my intro in the dubbed version. And my name is Ben, and wow, does yours network have a major in document forgery? Noah would be top of his class. My name is Noah, and I also don't know what the hell Ramdom is. <laughs> can, I just, can I just point out, Colin, really quickly, that we have to be nice now? No Noah jokes this episode. He's on the line. Be quiet. Uh, is Noah even aware that he became the joke of the year this year? <laughs> Shh, don't tell him. I don't listen to the old network. <laughs> oh, clearly. Um... <laughs> 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 now, funny enough, Noah, you haven't been on the Oz Network outside of Lost. When was the last time you did anything not Lost related? The Ozlet reunion episode uh... about a week ago. Sort <laughs> 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 a week. That's all you can give us. <laughs> I think the last time I did anything was when we talked about the Americans, and when that ended, I just stopped watching any movie or TV. <laughs> The Korean ones. I think this is the first time, like all three of us have done an episode since what about two years ago? We did a Bond rankings for Double Seven. Yeah, remember that show, Noah? Yeah, Double O Seven. James Bond. <laughs> Which before we started this, Noah, I was like, you, "You're not actually recording this and tricking me into thinking we're doing a Bond episode." <laughs> so what do you think of No Time um, to Die? We Noah? Have- <laughs> we do have to talk about Parasite, which is the whole reason Noah's here, because Noah's our expert, uh, and we need an expert, because this is the first time Ben's ever done subtitles. <laughs> I watched Roma I'm not last she's year. Actually... Did you just watch the film? Did you read it as well? No, I learnt Korean purely so I didn't have to read. <laughs> But uh, Noah specifically asked to be on this episode, or pretty much demanded it. Uh, he's happy on it to talk about <laughs> Parasite. Um, <laughs> he held people hostage to get on this episode. <laughs> uh, he held Lost hostage so he could be on this episode. Yeah. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but Noah, why don't you actually start off? Because I think you have the most history with this movie. Uh, and we'll kind of each go through our initial opinions here. But no, why, why were you so compelled to join us on the network you helped create, Stavable Parasite? Uh, I'm like the parasite of <laughs> the Oz Network, maybe. It's Billy Garcia, uh, thank you. Hashtag bring back Billy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I had to come on here. Like, when I saw that that got nominated and. I mean, I'm going to tell you a little secret that I'm not really a big fan of the Oscars. Um, there's been some good movies that have nominated, but I couldn't really care less. But 
at the same time, it's so exciting that not only a Korean film, but this Korean film has been nominated. And I, I've, I've been a fan of Bong Joon-ho's movies for like a good few years, but this, this has just elevated him to that next level. And it's pretty groundbreaking for Korean cinema. And I hope it opens some doors up for Korean cinema because there are so many good movies, not just Bong Joon-ho, but other people. And, this is really, I think most people probably have either seen or heard of a Bong Joon-ho film, but this has really elevated him to that global status. I mean, he was on Jimmy Fallon, for God's sake, um, a Korean with a translator. It's crazy. Um, but weirdly enough, I saw this movie in Hong Kong, because even though I live in Korea, they don't have English subtitle films. So I had to see it in Hong Kong, and I went in pretty much blind, how did you read then? Uh, and I, <laughs> and I, all I knew was this is Bong Joon Ho's new film. Lots of people were liking it, and I knew nothing else. And that is without a doubt the best cinema experience I've ever had. Uh, to the point where I had not actually rewatched it because I didn't want to rewatch it in just on a laptop. Or I wanted to recreate mm. the experience I had watching it then. And it's hands down the best film of the year. Have you seen any of the Best Picture nominated movies? <laughs> uh, I saw Jojo Rabbit. I liked that. That was pretty good. Um, but I thought Hunt for the Wilder People was better yes. than Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Um, I saw Marriage Story. I enjoyed that. But I've also seen Kramer versus Kramer. So. Don't listen to our episode <laughs> of Marriage Story. That's where the Noah joke started. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't. Um, no, indeed. It's fine. We can tell. Uh, I think I saw one more. What else is there? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker. Oh, yeah, that one. Once 17. Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was also good, Little Women. but also not Quentin Tarantino's best. And Little Women, oh, that's for the win. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you the other day not defending it? Come on. Uh, I prefer big men, as we talked about. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, but, see, I'm, I'm a huge fan of... Asian cinema. Um, now, having said that, you know Korean movies have only recently started getting more prominently released here. Um, I think Noah, you had mentioned uh, a couple of months ago, maybe about wanting to do like an international month and mentioning all these Korean movies. And I kind of took the list you gave me and searched for everything I could find on Amazon Prime and Netflix and sort of added them to my list. Uh, and, and realize that there's a ton, a ton of stuff that's on there. Now, like every single week, I mean, half of our Netflix seems to be Korean movies. So there's this big explosion going on right now. But, you know, over the yeah. years, the only ones that I really have ever been able to see are, I guess, what would be considered like the big blockers. I mean, I, I'm sure everybody, if you haven't seen it, is probably familiar with Old Boy. You know, that's yeah. the main one. And then a lot of the, you know, kind of, I guess, cheesier horror films that uh, have been made, but not a lot of the dramas. And I think that's what uh, surprising most about this is that it didn't feel like what you expect from a Korean movie. I mean, the only other Bong Joon-ho movie I've seen is Snowpiercer, which is, you know, it, it's his movie, but it's an English language movie, really. Uh, and I think I kind of expected something that was going to be, even knowing what the story was, I didn't really see a trailer for this, knowing what the story was, I expected it to be maybe a little bit darker. Like it would be funny, but in a really dark, disturbing way. And 
I just sort of, sort of found this like entertaining and fun, and, and <laughs> it, it feels really weird that we talked about this a little bit in Jojo Rabbit, that there's times where you feel like you should be more upset about what's going on, but you actually just really enjoy it. Like, it's such an enjoyable movie, but the most interesting... No, it, it is. Like, there's fun yeah, I don't know there. how they do things in Calgary, but there's some pretty dark things in this film. No, I'm not saying there aren't dark things in this, but I'm saying I thought this would come out feeling a lot darker than it was. That maybe yeah. it'd be, like, you know, a, a little bit of, like, uh, lightning here or there, but, like, the movie's played very light, even though the subject matter is pretty dark. The most interesting about it is that the first half of the movie plays exactly exactly the way I expected it to play it. It's kind of, you know, like a con game, this family's con game to, you know, take over another family's house, essentially. And then halfway through the movie, I don't even know if we can get into much, you know, I don't know what, what is known or isn't known, but we're going to be spoiler free. There's a twist halfway through this and then it just becomes a different movie. And, and, it, it becomes like something so much bigger and better where, you know, I finished this movie thinking, you know, if this isn't the best movie I've seen this year, it's right up there with 1917. Hmm. Oh, am I meant to talk? I'm just enjoying to you two talk because it's, you know, it just reminds me of 007. We've got two people. Doesn't have to read subtitles. <laughs> talking about one thing and me being the idiot in the corner like I can die another day. Um... Look, I think my extent of Asian cinema comes from watching... I think I watched The Grudge once. Um, um, I think I saw Killer Condom. That was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> there was like an SBS late at night one time. Um, that's about it. Um, I've seen Pokemon movies. Are they considered Asian cinema? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, Pokemon's Japanese. It's Asian, is it not? Um you told us to warn you when you were about to say something stupid. Oh. You're saying something stupid. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't, I don't read. Right? Did we not establish this? But, like, okay, in all seriousness, I went into this having absolutely no clue what to expect. None at all. Like, I, I all I had done is I'd gotten the movie. I, I hadn't, like, similar to you, Colin, I hadn't seen a trailer. I didn't even read what this movie was about. I thought it was Parasite. Like, oh, it was going to be about some sort of, like, disease or something like that. Like, I had no clue. <laughs> no clue what it was about. So then I'm starting watching this movie. I'm like, okay, this is pretty, you know, it's funny. Like, cool, it's this family and they're doing this sort of stuff. And then when the twist happens, I'm like, what just happened? And then, like, and then the whole time, I'm like, the way this movie ends, like, Mallory watched this with me and we legitimately looked at each other afterwards going, what was that? Like, what just happened? It just went so, like, strange all of a sudden. And I did not not like this movie. I thought this movie was enjoyable. I thought it was good. But it kind of comes to the point where I'm like, I just don't know. Like, I think I messaged you straight away afterwards. And I'm going, well, that movie was a movie. Like, that was interesting. Because I still don't even know how to compute the, the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I definitely don't agree. It's one of the best movies of the year. Well, okay, it's been nominated. It's a good movie, but I, I definitely don't have this ranked in my top half of these Best Picture nominations, but it's a great oh. deal that it's been nominated and good for them, but, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> but I, I, in, some, in some ways, it's exciting because it's a Korean film and, you know, I think K-pop can go to hell and I'm excited that a Korean film might become a more worldwide thing, but you almost have to take a step back on the Korean element as well and just say, regardless of what language and what country, this film is just amazing in its structure, mm -hmm. in how it's a comedy, 
I don't think I've ever watched a movie in the cinema where I visibly had to look away from the screen at one point, and so was everybody else. And you could hear pins drop. It's funny. It's charming. It's got like more of a social uh, message. So even though we need to celebrate Korean cinema, you've got to take a step back and just say this movie is goddamn amazing. Mm-hmm. Eh. Oh. <laughs> Why did I know if, if we gave Ben the task that he had to read a movie, then this would be the reaction? But, but like, like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not trying to take away your opinions. That sounds a bit rude. But like, I didn't feel that way watching this movie. I didn't, and I, I mean, I did with Joker. I did with 1917. Absolutely, but this movie, no, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. Now, when the twist happens, is that like, did it lose you at that moment? Because I'm not saying I wasn't enjoying this for the first half. Like, I would go back and rewatch the first half again. I, I would have, re- if this whole entire movie was the first half of the movie, this would have been my top, maybe top half. But when that twist happens, like, and, and it's not one of these things where it suddenly becomes a different movie and you feel like, oh, I wish I could just ignore everything that happened before that, like The Irishman. You know, <laughs> this is this is like it's one complete movie, and the first half needs the second half. But that second half on its own, like, how could you not just be flipping out? If people if people have not seen this movie, they're they're. But then the second half, the second we're giving nothing away. But like, all we have to say is, if you have not seen this, see it. And if you have seen it, you already know what we're talking about. It's it's. Not, yeah. I just think it's um, like again, as I said, like kind of when that twist happens, you're kind of like, what the hell just happened? What's going on? And then, kind of, I think I'm spending the rest of the movie trying to compute how it all of a sudden turned into how it did. And then I'm like, okay, and I'm still enjoying everything that I'm seeing at that point. But then it's kind of like I spent a large portion of the last part of the movie going, is this meant to be serious? Is this meant to be a parody of something? And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, like a, a death will happen, and you're like huh like why is that person killed like they actually didn't really do anything that wrong and then i was kind of like huh and then the ending i was like okay so what and then it ends and i'm like okay um like i don't there was nothing that blew me away on the level of as i said joke not even marriage story just with the acting in that movie blew me away whereas this i was just like okay that was parasite oh my god the acting of this film is easily some of the best we've seen this year song kang ho who is pretty much He's like the poor dad. Is pretty much Korea's like he's the character actor, and he is amazing. But so is so is the rich family, and uh, pretty much there's not a Every poor actor. cast member in this film. Yeah, well, the family and, was and poor. That's something else. I mean, that's something else. You know, ben and I've talked throughout all these movies, the previous seven movies, that this year is just loaded with oh this movie's being awarded because of how strong the performances are it's very performance heavy and i mean this movie didn't get any nominations but didn't it win the screen actors guild yeah. ensemble cast or something it like did. that yeah and, and you want to talk about somebody else's groundbreaking because again i mean uh, korean if, if i were to rank i mean i i'd go with hong kong movies first japanese movies second and you know, korean movies would be you know third let's say but even with Hong Kong movies, I mean, I'm such a huge fan of them, but even I have to admit that I find it hard to connect with performances so much because you're not hearing the language. You could see somebody's emotions, but you're paying attention to what you're reading on screen. It's hard to really connect like that. And the Screen Actors Guild connected enough with these performances that they awarded the best ensemble cast. I mean, that has to say something about it. And it but it is different in a foreign language movie to really get as invested in the performances which is why i was amazed that i you know finished this movie going on imdb and trying to find are any of these actors in movies that i could see them in something else in 
Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I think that maybe just where it comes down to is that you two clearly watch a lot more Asian cinema than I do, and maybe I just don't understand it on other levels that I do. It's kind of... <laughs> not not just because I don't understand Asian languages, but like... As you it, said it. Um, but it's just, I think that could also be a thing too. It's whereas... Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a level of enjoyment that certain people take from different cultures and different cinema. And I guess I'm just the stock standard vanilla Australian dude who's going to watch the, the English-based films from English-speaking countries. And it's not to say that I don't want to watch non-English-speaking films or Asian cinema, European cinema, African cinema, South American cinema. I, it's, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't go out of my way to watch it unless I have to. Um, I mean, I enjoyed... Parts of Roma last year. I liked Run Lola Run. That was a good movie. <laughs> um, it is a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, I th- yeah. I think Bong Joon Ho said it best, though, and I agree with him one million thousand percent. It was a few weeks ago when he said, "Once you get over that barrier of subtitles, you are open to a whole new world of." Like, we all love Hollywood, but there is so much out there, so much creativity, I agree. so much unique things that you can only get from certain. Like you could make Parasite in America, like that would. Will it's a pretty universal day. story. Yeah. Oh yeah, they already are making a HBO series. Oh, so, um, uh, which a whole other thing, but I'm not on board with that. Um, but once you open that barrier, get, break down that barrier, then there's just so much out there and. Again, it's not trashing on Hollywood or English films, but I, I couldn't agree more with him that there is this huge kind of bias and barrier of oh, I don't want to watch subtitles mm-hmm. or they don't they're not Americans or I've I, I have to read I've got to think there's a different culture, uh, but that's why it's so exciting that even though I'm not a big fan of the Oscars that Parasite is getting the recognition that it deserves because it is breaking down that barrier and that is exciting. Um, I'm actually looking this up right now, but I, I don't even know how many times before a foreign language movie has been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, and the ones that are, you know, there, there's been a couple that, like, really click with an audience. Um, obviously, the biggest one would be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, right, but if, if you look at here, I've got the list here. Uh, so Roma, you know, but again, Roma did not really click with an audience without, like, this, this, Blockbuster. I mean, Crouching Tiger made a hundred million dollars. You know, Parasite. I think has made about thirty, which is huge for something like that. Life is beautiful, uh, wasn't it? A more uh, with that. Life is beautiful was nominated, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, that's probably the only other one I could think of where, like, really audiences, regardless of whether you were into foreign films or not, got behind it. Because all these other ones on the list here, you know, like A More, Babel, um, Zed, the, the Postman, you know, these weren't movies that, like, stood the test of time, at least here. And, and I think that's kind of the problem is that, you know, the Academy, it essentially is just Hollywood's awards, and every once in a while they'll throw a foreign language thing in there. But maybe it has more to do with just that audiences aren't willing to accept this because every once in a while when you get a movie like this or you get a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or A Life is Beautiful, uh, where just the story is so unique. And we we talked about 1917 the other day, you know, whether or not the, the single take thing was just a hook to get people interested in a movie like this. Uh but maybe, you know, that's the thing is that you, you make a story that is just totally unique 
and it gets people talking and that's the thing that separates because I think a lot of other movies regardless of whether they're Korean or Chinese or Japanese or whatever you know they're just the same type of movie you could see here this movie is unlike anything I've ever seen before you could read it on paper and just say oh it's a story about this family that sort of cons their way into working for a rich family and slowly taking over there uh, but then there's so much more to it you watch the movie and you feel like the plot is irrelevant it's how the movie's executed like the first half of the movie it feels almost like a little bit of an eerie you know like con movie and then the second half like the first half it's, it's very intellectual where your interest is is in figuring out how they're going to pull this off how are they going to convince them of this how are they going to get the next person in the house the next person and then the second half even though there's very little action in it it almost feels like an action movie like you're seeing people who are sneaking around and how are they going to hide the glass and stuff like this are they going to get caught so it goes from how are they going to get into are they going to get caught and it's so intense one way or the other. It's just, it's unlike anything I've seen before. Um, I was going to let Noah say something then, but if you want me to talk. <laughs> we don't know how we do these anymore. We're never on episodes together anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's, look, just on your point about how it's kind of, these are the Hollywood awards and, you know, it's great that they sort of open it up to some non-Hollywood uh, films. And I think there's there's arguments for and against all that because I mean again th- these are generally seen as the the Hollywood awards so I think kind of to me it's not a case of you should automatically open this up to all films around the world if you have to because I mean you do also have the best foreign film uh, category in these awards if the movie is good enough that it then can seep into that and kind of sort of make an impact on that uh, category absolutely but I also and again, I don't know how this sounds, but I'm not one of these people who thinks, oh, it, it needs to be more diverse. We need to have more non-American films in that. Because again, you're not going to have uh, 1917 is not going to get nominated for Best Film at the Korean Movie Awards. You know, they've got their own awards for that. So I think kind of like mm-hmm. you you have that aspect of it, which is then when it does make it incredibly groundbreaking, when a movie like this can break into that category. And we're seeing that a lot more regularly. I mean, obviously, back-to-back years now, is this the first time? And scrolling through here, I think we had it once in 72 and 73, it seems here. Uh, the two Swedish films in a row got nominated for Best Picture. But outside of that, this is the first time that we've ever seen two foreign language films get nominated for Best Picture consecutive. Uh, and that's, what, 50 years ago that that happened. So, and I feel this is going to happen more and more often. You know, we're in a much more connected world now. Uh, I mean, Netflix is opening that door up now as well for a variety of things. And kind of know as you were saying this is going to probably open up the door for south korean cinema no doubt roma last year opened the door up for mexican cinema um and mexican cinema obviously has had a bit of a, a big trend recently hasn't it with a lot of mexican directors getting nominated as well so kind of it's mm-hmm. yeah th- i think this is going to open that and we're going to see more and more often but again i think they are the american awards it's just it's sort of you know there's a there's a fine line there i think sometimes and it's a great deal when something like this can happen I think, yeah, there's a bit of an argument there. But at the same time, it is it is the best picture of the year. And, again, they're just awards. It doesn't really mean anything. But, you know, regardless of that's the thing about breaking down the barrier. And uh, if you're even going to include foreign films, then just include all movies. Like, uh, If you're going to say it's the Hollywood Awards, well, then only have Hollywood films. So I think mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, and not just, uh, not just the Oscars, but sometimes I feel best foreign film is a bit condescending because to me, and again, it's not just because I live in Korea, blah, 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 blah. 
to me, Parasite is the best film of 2019, hands down. What's and one of the best films ever made. <laughs> Did you see 1917? No, I'm not a fan of army movies. I like apocalypse. <laughs> army movies. Army movies. I'm not a fan of subtitled movies. Wrong. I'm not a fan of army movies. <laughs> I like apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, well, it's interesting too about the whole Hollywood thing because when you look at the 12 foreign language films that have also gotten a Best Picture nomination, uh, two of them essentially are American movies. Babel in 2006, half of that movie is in English, and uh, Letters from Iwo Jima in 2006 was directed by Clint Eastwood. And he just happened to say, well, let's film, he did a companion movie about the Iwo Jima stories. One was in English and one was in Japanese. The Japanese one told from the Japanese point of view. But that's an American movie. I I didn't even realize how rare it was to have. Often you get the director nomination, but to have a best picture too. Um, I'm kind of with you, Noel. Like I think it's... It is the best movie. I'm not saying necessarily this is the best movie of the year, but it should be the best movie. And as we went through the whole argument, uh, uh, you know, on the Little Women episode, you know, people are saying, well, you know, there was 15 or 20 percent of the movies last year were directed by women. How many of what was the percentage of movies last year that were foreign language that aren't getting nominated as well? And uh, you know we could do an entire episode just you know on foreign language movies. But uh, one of the minor complaint I just have is the, the when is there a point to having it nominated in the foreign language category when it's also up for best picture? Like it almost feels like you should remove from one category if you're going to go for best picture nomination. But I don't know if anybody else we has talked an about that on last that. year. I think didn't we with Roma? Because I mean, like, yeah. th- there's no way this isn't winning best foreign film like it will win um this is like 1917 with mm-hmm. cinematography like if you're going to lock two in these are your two and yeah i kind of agree with that because it's kind of like we've had what two three movies nominated uh animated movies nominated for best feature obviously i realized that um i think what when beauty and the beast was nominated we didn't have best animated um feature mm-hmm. as a category but we do now so yeah i think it's kind of one of these things where you should submit and because like that would be the same as because sometimes people will debate well, will i nominate will i submit myself in uh, will, will the studio submit you in best actor or best supporting actor we talked about that once upon a time in hollywood you know brad pitt leonardo dicaprio you would argue brad pitt had more screen time than leonardo dicaprio yet he's up for best supporting actor so why then can't you mm-hmm submit in both and get nominated for both supporting actor and actor. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. you should probably choose one or the other. I do think... Uh, oh, you go. No, go ahead. I was going to move on to a different point. Go ahead. Uh, well, I do think just based on what Ben was saying about this is Hollywood and, uh, you know, the whole Hollywood circle jerk thing that uh, <laughs> Parasite doesn't stand a chance unfortunately even though i hands down think it's the best film i've seen it's even the better chance and than you think noah it's actually very highly it's often regarded as maybe the smoky that can take best picture well this is just it's it is crazy that even before the oscars like i i saw this film and i don't know if you guys remember but the moment i came out of the cinema i messaged both of you and said if this comes to in Chicago, you've got to watch it in the cinema <laughs> it won't come to like, in <laughs> Like, it's, like, this is not just an Oscar thing. This buzz has been going on, firstly, in Korea. It was in the cinema for about eight months here because all my friends couldn't watch it because there were no English subs, and we kept looking, is it a, 
is it released yet? Is it released? But they just kept having it in the cinema. The buzz here was completely real. But then outside of Korea, the buzz has been going on for almost a year now. And I feel like the Oscars has maybe opened it up to a few more people. But as I said at the top of the show, like Jimmy Fallon and all these other things, Mm -hmm. it is wild. So, yeah, maybe it has a shot. But I just feel... And I would like it just there's a point of pride there. And Bong Joon-ho, like, this is crazy because he... I've been watching his movies for years, but this is his seventh film, and it's crazy that his seventh film is, like, almost his breakthrough. Like, most people probably have heard of Snowpiercer and they've heard of The Host, Um, and Memories of Murder is just an amazing film. Mother as well. Okja, people probably know. Mm -hmm. But it's just crazy that a director's seventh film is, like, almost his breakthrough in a way. Well, I was going to ask you about it because, I mean, from what I understand, he's more or less considered like the most commercially successful director and a lot of the movies he's made like the host are like these massive hits and i, I were it was remade here a terrible movie uh <laughs> remade here um and okja obviously and uh snowpiercer being more english language movies you know he's obviously a big enough deal that he can get given these hollywood deals to do english language movies but then he can go back to south korea and make something like parasite but is he considered, you know, uh, an award-worthy director there? Or is he more of a blockbuster director? Because I, I, I would kind of look at his filmography and say most of his, not having seen uh, a lot of his movies, say he looks to me more like he'd be, this almost sounds bad, but like a Michael Bay. Like, you know, you're going to attach his name to a movie. He's going to produce something that's going to make you millions and millions of dollars, but it's not necessarily going to be considered like, you know, uh, an all-time classic. Michael Bong, maybe. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that you even bring that point up because I feel like the the Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho films that you've probably heard of are Okja, right? Quite a blockbuster mm-hmm. movie. The Host, like it's a big monster movie, and Snowpiercer. But yeah. here, uh, I've talked to some of my Korean co-workers even before Parasite was a thing, and like everybody knows him here, and they would probably say more Memories of Murder, which is more of a kind of solving a crime, a bit more unconventional, still like Parasite, uh, or a mother, which is more of a drama like Parasite between a, a mother and a disabled son and a murder and whatnot. I would feel like they're the films that they mentioned to me while somebody maybe from Canada or in Chicago might think, oh, yeah, I know him from Okja or The Host. Mm-hmm. So I think, in a weird way, Parasite, Mother, and Memories of Murder are, like, his revered films here, and he is known as this, like, this successful guy, and I think people really like him because he's quite charming as well, but, yeah, if you split his filmography in two, he's almost got the the blockbuster Michael Bay kind of thing, and I, I'm vomiting even saying that, but, you, you know. <laughs> uh, and they're, they've kind of become successful in, like, Western culture, but... Yeah, it's more the Parasite-type films that are respected here, I would say. Although everyone loves The Host. Um, the Who? So, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> I do worry, though, uh, and I'm not sure if this is a concern or what, but I do worry is it's a double-edged sword. It's so good that Korean cinema is going to be open up, and bo- I'm so happy for Bong that he can do all these things now. But I'm scared that because, you know, this is an Oscar-nominated director now, can he ever go back to just doing a Memories of Murder or a Mother or will it forever be more 
more snow piercers going forward. So I'm a bit bit concerned maybe as well. Is snow piercer well, better than I snow mean, dogs? <laughs> God. Um, but here's the other thing. I mean, Parasite to me, it sounded like a very small scale movie. And I sort of, I saw the nominations that it had before watching the movie. And I almost was scratching my head thinking like, how is this movie nominated for production design? Like, like, mm-hmm. isn't it just in a house? And then you start the movie and I'm seeing this apartment where I'm just like, okay, it's just your average apartment. And then again, something happens almost at the halfway point of the movie where I, I mentioned this uh, back in the 1917 episode when we were talking about the production design uh, category that this movie and a lot of the other movies in that category, it feels like they created a world. And in this, it's, it's literally just a house. And before we even get into, you know, the, the stuff that we can't really talk about because it's a spoiler, like a lot of the uh, hidden stuff in this house, just the, the regular like living room of this house and the bedrooms and the staircase. And then suddenly when something happens, you know, uh, as there's some flooding in, in the, the, the dingy basement apartment, I'm like, these sets are so incredible. Like this movie feels bigger than I think it should. In a way, it almost feels like this is a $100 million movie that just happens to, uh, I, I guess, give off the impression that it's a $10 million movie. So even though this is very, seems very small scale, to me, this felt like a really big movie still. I really love the apartment. The, the apartment, the, the sort of the modern, the Richie mm-hmm. apartment. Like, I really want to live in that house. That house is really awesome. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I think it kind of... I want to poop on that toilet. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it, it looks... <laughs> is that the one up on the step? Is that the one you're talking about? What's that? In the old apartment where they've got to, like, climb up to the ceiling to take a dump? Oh yeah, <laughs> is that is that a thing? No, is that like a Korean thing? I don't I don't understand that. Oh, toilet. you should see my toilet. Is it on your roof? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to climb up a ladder. Um, but yeah, like it does. I agree with the uh, the whole set and everything, and it's just um, yeah, it's 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 crazy how they can kind of like do the parallels between one apartment to the other, and then just kind of tie everything with it together. But um. You know, this is just, again, my thing with it, where it's like, I, I look, I, I respect both your opinions. I'm glad you feel the way about this film. That's great. I'm not going to say you're wrong because, you again, you two clearly have more of an open mind when it comes to watching cinema around the world, and that's great. That's good. I'm I'm, I'm, a cult, I'm an uncultured hick who likes to die another day and can't read. Clearly, that's my problem. But there's just, I mean, mixed in with these sort of grandiose moments and sets and things like that, there's just random moments which to me just kind of come and go and then I'm like, huh, okay, cool, yep, that's meant to mean something and it doesn't, I'm just dumb, I just don't, maybe I just don't know, I'm just dumb. Is there any random moments? Because I would say the, one of the all-time greatest strengths of this movie is every single line has a purpose and every yeah. single thing ties together in the neatest bow I could think of. Uh, there's only really one plot line and that involves kind of the... I the just, romance with the teenager. That's probably the only thing that I think is a bit like, why well, is that there? I think there's but a couple anything of things else, like that. I was blown away with just how neat... This is a messy movie, but how neat just every single line and every single point just comes back full circle. In, by the end, you're like, oh, wow, they've, they've completed the cycle. There was just a couple of bits to me where it was like... Like you mentioned the love bit. There was that guy at the beginning who... 
was in love and then he disappears and then it's okay cool and then there was um well that's just the setup for the movie but then there was there was a whole the thing that like bothered me when i said there was like that death that kind of comes out of nowhere and i'm like well they didn't really do anything wrong like there was one bit that he did wrong he said somebody smelled funny i'm like well other than that he was kind of nice so i don't understand why all of a sudden that's one of my favorite things about the movie i was wondering which death you were talking about because there is multiple deaths in this movie (laughs) scroll too much but like there is one of the, what you would consider a random moment. I'm not saying you. What are you people, Ben? Um, but, uh, something that could be considered just a random moment, like when they're talking about somebody smelling like radishes or, or like whatever. That is the and, theme of the movie. What that people yeah, smell and, like and radishes in Korea. You would think that's a throwaway line, but then there's all these different, and this is, it was this guy you were talking because again, I don't know all their names, and I only just looked up the filmography, so this is the one you were saying that is like, you know, the, the, the really great actor in the movie, Noah? The uh, dad? Yeah, the, the poor dad, but the rich dad is great as well. Yeah, yeah, the poor dad. I mean, it, you just see these little things, these expressions on his face that start building, and you have this one throwaway line at the beginning of the movie, and without anybody ever bringing it up again, just through facial reactions, you remind the audience yeah. that line, and then there's a massive payoff to that, and it, it, it brings so much more depth to the character, because this is a character, it's all subtle, I'm sorry you didn't understand it, Ben. <laughs> no, but like, I think it's just, it's, it goes over the top with it, like, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, I understand that, but like, to me, the thing that it baffles me is that, like, basically, the big climax of this movie, and what this guy does because he heard about smelling like he just gets pissed off because it smells like red like again the guy that dies it has nothing to do with him actually (laughs) it has nothing to do with him actually smelling that is that is the whole purpose of the film and colin's absolutely right song kang ho is just not even a korean actor he's an amazing just actor in general um but no you mentioned i was just gonna say you mentioned how every line has a purpose and just tying in with that you know, there's that one line, oh, you know, kind of smells like a radish or whatever, and, and then there's no other lines from that point on. I mean, this movie can take one line and then build on it and build on it and build on it. And to, to, to tie that into to Ben's point about, you know, uh, everything happens, there's another throwaway line that's dropped multiple times throughout this movie, which is, oh, dad has a plan, dad has a plan. And the way that that story plays out, it's all about the fact that, I won't give it away, but it all has to do with that dad has a plan line. You have these lines that are just these tiny little lines that could just be throwaway in any other movie, but it does all build and it all pays off and it all comes together. And yet you wouldn't think on the surface that any of these lines of dialogue are all that important, but they are. This is the thing that I think... Oh, so you go ahead now. It's that kind of subtlety that makes this film uh, work so well because... Again, all these Best Picture nominations, they're all good films, but there is a tendency in Hollywood and whatnot that you would have the conversation between the poor dad and he would say to the rich dad, oh, I've had nothing growing up and you've had everything given to you. And they don't mm-hmm. need that. Like that, In many Hollywood films, you would have this big showdown and they would explain everything that's on their mind. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. It's just Song Kang Ho's again as colin said facial expressions and uh and just the way the movie progresses and we can fill in the blanks um mm-hmm. but well, i do <laughs> what's a blank I do think, uh, another strength now that we're talking about the characters though is there's there is almost a parallel 
between uh, Marriage Story and this film. Um, Scarlett Johansson's not in this film, but um, <laughs> it's the one she's not in. <laughs> a very, very side tangent, but I've never been a big fan of her. But she's been great in the two films that she's nominated. Anyway, uh, there is parallels between Marriage Story in that. Yeah, we, we're rooting for Song Kang Ho and the poor family, uh, Mr. Kim, Kim's family, but neither side is right and neither side is wrong. That's what makes mm-hmm. this film have so much depth is the poor family isn't just good because they're poor. They are the parasites. Uh, and the mm-hmm. rich family, as Ben was saying, oh, he did nothing wrong. In many ways, yes, he didn't, but this is the the, the whole point is there's no good guys or bad guys, and that's what more movies need is grey areas that are subtle and not... I agree with that. I agree that absolutely. I think that's a great comparison, that it's kind of very similar to Marriage Story, that you can you can sympathise with both sides. But one thing that I'll say that kind of... It's where it, maybe I don't understand it or get it or interpret it the same way you guys do, in the fact that you do have an ending, though, that really does sway towards one side all of a sudden. And this is where I can maybe see that... Well, it kind of does. I mean, you have somebody murdering someone, and then kind of it's like it's just you're meant to sympathise with the murderer. Um, I think it does. But that's, well, we should say that the movie's more complex than that. There's technically even a third side, but that's you know the thing we won't spoil. But, but the thing, the thing that I would have the parallels of that there is that I think you can kind of look at it similar to Joker in the fact that kind of you've got that almost unseated sort of pain from somebody who has been looked down upon and then rises up to kind of get the masses and it's not quite on the level as that but I think kind of that you had that over you know emphasis of that in Joker and a lot of people have said criticisms of Joker because they reckon it's inciting this sort of stuff amongst people who feel this way and I'm not saying this is what Parasite does but I definitely think that you know, no, you made a good point. You don't always need to go, oh, this person's evil and this person's good. And I think Joker, even though Joker's technically bad, he's the good in the movie because you've then got the rich people looking down on him. So it's kind of a bit more, you know, one side or the other. But I definitely think kind of the element of what the poor dad does to the rich dad at the end of this movie is very Joker-esque to me <laughs> in the fact Yeah, but that- we're not supposed to... We're not supposed to say, oh, go, Mr. Kim. Like, it's not like we're looking at him as, oh, my God, he finally did it. Like, it's much deeper than but that. But that's where it's random to me. But, but that's where also, it's just so it's, random that when he does what he does, and we're basically spoiled it. Sorry, everyone. But, like, it's just, it's just random to me. Like, what? The, the way you're comparing it to Joker, like, I actually get what you're saying, but I kind of took a different thing away from that. Um then we talk about this with another movie too. We said Joker, and then there was something else. Just Little women. Oh yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Irishman. Irishman. That's what it was. Uh, there's this new way of presenting violence in movies, which all seem to come in the exact same year. You know, uh, Irishman. Uh, Parasite, Joker, which is to find a way to surprise your audience and shock them, even though what you're doing is no more shocking than what they've seen a million times. It's just a different way of presenting it. It's a way of catching you off guard and making you think the reaction you had to Parasite, to the violence in Parasite, is almost the same thing that you're applauding in Joker and saying, uh, oh, you know, it was great that they handled in Joker, but, but back when we would talk, well, when, what I'm about, when we eventually talk about Joker, we're going to talk about, hold on, let me finish. <laughs> we're actually going to talk about the same thing, which is just, there is an act in Joker that just sort of comes out of nowhere, but it's the fact that it does sort of come out of nowhere that catches you as the audience off, off guard, and then you have to sort of backtrack and think, where did that 
come from and it gets you thinking. No, 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 like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, absolutely know what you're saying, but that's not what I meant. I didn't mean it like the, the violence aspect because I agree with you. I think it's done in a way where it's kind of like, whoa, okay, that's happening. My point is it's, it's more the motives of what the, the when that happens is that I, I question and I don't... You can say being a joker too. But no, 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 but like, I think, I think, yeah, I... I I think Joker's is a little bit more clear because you've had such a build-up with Joker and where he is to where he goes from. To me, the point that I'm referring to in the movie, and we can't really talk about it, maybe we do it on a spoiler episode one day, it just comes to a point where literally this guy goes from, you know, yeah, okay, he's desperate and everything, but at no point did I ever think, this guy's going to kill someone or is he going to kill the specific character in mind? That, to me, is where it's random to me. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that escalated super quickly and what the hell? There is more subtlety here as well that I think you're missing is that, uh, and there's a great little video essay on this. I don't know who the author is, but, you know, there is a line in the film where they say uh, the, the you're saying, oh, Mr. Park, the rich family, they did nothing wrong. Hashtag rich family did nothing wrong is uh, the, there is a line in the film where it's like, oh, the rich wife, she can afford to be nice. And we see this with the the housekeeper and her husband and the other family it is this dog eat dog kind of world with the poor people because they are so desperate and they've been like this and you can say the rich family did nothing wrong but that's because you know they don't need to fight for this and they've got everything handed to them and yeah they can be nice but really in the end they're two-faced and we see like the the, the original housekeeper like she is a great character as well because She's mm-hmm. almost the same as Mr. Kim's family as well. Um, and there is that subtlety of, well, you say they did nothing wrong, but there is this superiority here. And I'm not but, saying what, um, what he does at the end is right, but that's why, again, I'm sitting here, I'm not saying I agree with him for doing that. I don't think we're supposed to sympathise with him for doing that. But I feel the end, uh, I feel the ending makes it so you should sympathise with him. I didn't. Okay. No. Well, I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's one way or the other. Um, That's why it's so I, subtle and good. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's. It's just a brilliant ending. It's. It's. It's not like you're supposed. We, we. Another comparison to marriage story. Marriage story is one of those stories where at times you're thinking it from this person's point of view. At times you're looking at it from this person's point of view. Then the movie ends and you realize, you know, it's actually just. It's just what it is. You're just observing the story, and I think it's so much more interesting to do that instead of taking sides. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I like. It's. It's. it's I, I. respect your opinion. I. I just think differently. Um. So, how many nominations did this get? Six nominations. Uh. Which really it should be five because I don't think you should get foreign language film nomination and best picture. But six officially. Uh, we know it's a lot for at least one of those foreign language film. Uh, just talking through the chances of that. I honestly think this has a shot at almost everything here, like production design. I could see this potentially winning, although I think 1917, you know, might take that one. Uh, editing, there's definitely a chance for this one. Screenplay, it's probably between this and Marriage Story. Picture director, this is what I wanted to talk about. Now, it used to be a pretty rare thing, and now it's just become like every other year that they'll split picture and director if they just simply can't decide. I think this might be one of those years, but as for its chances, like you were saying, Ben, it, it, it's it's up there, and I don't think it's quite at 1917's level, but we talked about on the 1917 review that uh, 
every once in a while, the Academy likes to do something when everybody else is, when the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, the Golden Globes have all given it to one movie, which has been 1917 that they're, they would give it to something else just to surprise. Also, in a year where there's a lot of criticism about, oh, there's not enough diversity as there always is with the Oscars, uh, I wouldn't put it past them to give it to Parasite. Having said that, I also just feel like this is one of those movies that's sort of the underdog, that it'll win Best Picture. It, it reminds me a lot of Moonlight, you know, a couple of years ago when it was just, oh, it's definitely going to be La La Land. If it's not La La Land, it's going to be this. And if it's not, this is going to be this. And Moonlight seemed like it had no shot. And then just kept great, gaining more and more momentum leading up to the awards, and eventually it won. Uh, I'm going to kind of make a bold prediction and say that I think this is pretty much in a dead heat with 1917 for Best Picture. I wouldn't surprise ben, me. Thoughts? It wouldn't surprise me at all if this did win it, um, because I think that this has been getting such a, a groundswell of support that just everywhere I'm seeing it kind of a lot of people are saying like this could actually really win it um, and I think you're right like it is kind of one of these ones where it could just all of a sudden you know pull a crash or pull a moonlight and just and just win it because last year think about it Roma kind of just all of a sudden was like oh this is the time and Netflix is going to win one a Mexican film it's going to be groundbreaking but now it's kind of you know it's sort of the opposite but it's, it's getting enough support out there so um, yeah, I, I, I think it could. I'm still sticking with 1917 for taking out Best Picture and Best uh, Director. But if this wins it, I, th- I think this, I, I, you know, a week or two ago, I would have said Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the one that I think could could beat 1917. But now I think it's this. I actually legitimately feel that this could win the Best Picture Award. Mm-hmm. Noah? Well, <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I've only seen half of them. Um I, I, it would be really cool if it won, but I hope it, it is that double-edged sort of, I want it to win, but I don't want it to win just because it's Korean. I want it to open doors for Korean cinema and, you know, let's let's forget about K-pop. Let's make Korean cinema the thing that people know about Korea because there like are so K-pop. many good movies. <laughs> Sorry? I feel you really like K-pop, Noah. <laughs> oh, yeah, love it. Uh, but yeah like there are so many good movies uh again we need to we need to cover some because korean cinema there is just so much good out there uh so i hope if it does win it is not just because oh look at this cool foreign film but because it is a great best picture film in a way, I would almost be disappointed just because I think there are so many more that really should have won before this. Um, I mean, it's crazy that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon couldn't win and it lost a gladiator of all movies, uh, which was a glorified straight-to-video movie. Um, but, I mean, there is another movie, you know, I think would be the main one for me, which was uh, um, Infernal Affairs, which was the, the Hong Kong movie that the departed it was based on and the fact that infernal affairs didn't even get nominated for anything wasn't even in the mix and then the departed comes out a couple years later almost remakes it shot for shot in some ways and gets best picture uh but i wouldn't be upset at all for parasite to win because i think it is that good of a movie which would bring me to my rating which is easily going to be a buy um and uh as far as where it's going to kind of rank for me um just like my prediction for best picture, I'm kind of in a dead heat between this and 1917. I would put 1917 ahead of this right now just because the experience of seeing it was so powerful uh, and, and so unique. 
but I at the same time feel like I almost wish that I could see 1917 again, you know, just on a regular TV and see if it holds up the same way. Uh, but kind of like a tie at this point, I'll call it for first place. Maybe this just being like slightly behind in number two. I'm still gonna ben? buy. I'm still gonna buy this movie. Uh, I mean, you know, it still it was enjoyable <laughs> wow. and passable, and like it was decent. I, like I think I've said this whole time with these Oscars, there's only really one movie that I'm not gonna buy, and we've already covered Little Women. So um, yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm still gonna buy this movie, but in terms of just everything around it, um, it's it's not my favorite uh, right now. I've got this basically smack bang in the middle. Um, well, fourth out of what the seven that we've covered. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've got 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, then Parasite, followed by Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman, and Little Women. So that's kind of where I've got it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it was fine in my eyes. I just, I just obviously don't yeah. think it's as great and as groundbreaking as both of you do. Uh, wow! Well, yeah. You also can't read, so you missed the movie. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just made up the story in my head. Uh, <laughs> it made those the, the, toilet, the toilet exploding alone should bump this up in your rankings. Uh, yeah, I super buy for me. I think it's one of the best movies ever made, and I sincerely stand by that. It's been seven months, eight months since I saw it, and I still stand by that. Um, I would buy most of. Uh, Bong Joon-ho's films, but this this really does take the cake. Um, and I, I agree with what Colin was saying about 1917, is this just was the best cinema experience I've ever... I've never had anything like it. I've never had a group that was so almost unified in watching this film and laughing at all the jokes and looking away. And uh, I remember after I watched this, just trying to compute everything that happened, I stayed through the entire credits and I'm pretty sure 90% of the, the people there did as well. Like Everyone was just sitting there and you could hear a pin drop after the movie ended. Uh, and I remember leaving the cinema in Hong Kong and I just sat outside the front of the cinema thinking, what did I just watch? Like This was something else. And even though it's one of my favourite movies, I haven't rewatched it, as I said, because I am a bit worried about losing that experience that i had watching it in the cinema because it was so memorable and it just was the perfect viewing experience so i will rewatch it but i just don't want to watch it on my bad shitty laptop like i want to recreate that experience that i had um so yeah absolute buy um of the four or five that i've seen it would be the top one without even a question like there's been some good movies this year um, but, and then there was yeah, Little Women. <laughs> I will never watch man, let's be fair. Do not watch Little Women, all right? And on my heart, I can tell you, by the day I died, I will not have seen Little Women. I will not watch them. All right, we need to we need to forcefully pin him down, uh, open his eyes with matchsticks, and <laughs> then kill him. How many of the people who stayed during the, all the credits do you think were waiting for the post credit scene setting up Parasite Endgame? <laughs> or the HBO series. Yeah. Is that a good idea? Like, you said you don't like that idea. I mean, 
I, I had heard about that before seeing this movie, and I remember thinking, like, yeah, that kind of seems like a stupid cash-in. Like, what are they going to get out of this? But then I saw this movie, and I just imagined, you know, how many more stories you could tell in between. And I would never talk to this movie, but it's something separate, like where you could dedicate four episodes just to how the mom comes into her position and what she does. Or, uh, you know, what are you going to do when the, the old housekeeper rings the doorbell? Okay, you ignore it for one episode. Then she, you know, calls in the next episode. You delete the voicemail. You don't just go on from there. I could see potential how this could work in a show. Yeah, I mean, I trust Bong, but it does just seem a bit of a cash-in, and I'm a bit worried it will take away the charm of the film. Like, it was such a good kind of film that it's like, oh, do we need to do the whole Hollywood thing of franchise? Like, it was just such a great film. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching, but I am cautiously, cautiously optimistic, I guess. Was uh, Snowpiercer, uh, did they make that into a TV show or are they still trying to? I think it's coming it? as a TV series and I think yeah. that works as a TV series. I'd be on board for that. And didn't the host spawn a movie series too? Did it? I'm not sure. It was called uh, Survivor. sequels or something. Um, <laughs> the host. <laughs> oh, I just got that. Uh, <laughs> hey, finally one landed. Uh, anyways, that's it for Parasite. Uh, we got one movie left, uh, which is Joker, the one we want to save to last because uh, that one's going to be done as a spoiler review. Uh, ben and Mallory have already done the spoiler-free version, so uh, I, after seeing the movie and hearing their review, I was just dying to talk about it again, and I almost talked Ben into doing a second review on it, but then figuring we'd get nominated for Best Picture, I knew we would. We're going to get to talk about spoilers, which basically means we're going to get to talk about the ending that Ben's already alluded towards uh and then following that we got the preview episode so uh, how, it, how many days are left till the academy awards ben three three so at this point what if like bong joon ho has already said something incredibly racist and misogynistic <laughs> and just excluded his chances and we sound like idiots if that's happened uh this was recorded in advance so well, we know ignore. we know covering lost how much koreans hate certain types of people so you know <laughs> It's a hilarious in joke. Download the Oz Networks <laughs> now on on hold coverage of Lost. <laughs> uh, and you can download all of old archived episodes of Lost and the Americans <laughs> finale recap and all the other things that have been involved in over the years, <laughs> past years. Uh, and hopefully Noah will come back at some point in the future. Uh, but yeah, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Ben, I'm, I'm really excited for the day when all of this might be mixed into uh, an outro so we don't have to recite it every single week. I really hope that oh. happens soon. Uh. <laughs> uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. My name is Colin, and this is proof Ben can't read. And my name is Ben, and I smell like an old radish. <laughs> My name is Dora and I smell like a toilet that's on a, on top of a ledge. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.